Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Rydström, and I've spent the last 25 years inside the connectivity community. In this pod, we invite guests to deep dive into one or many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity. And in this 25th episode, I'm extremely happy to have Mike Cavis from Deloitte Consulting with me. So, welcome, Mike, and I'm happy to have you on my podcast. So, for the people that doesn't really know you, who are you? Who am I? That sounds like a Who song. So, um, great to be here. Thanks for having me first. Uh, so, my name's Mike Cavis. I'm a chief cloud architect over at Deloitte. And, you know, I grew up on the app side. I've been in IT about 35 years now. And when I got into the cloud, I kind of got more on the app side. So I have a broad experience from really from app development to sysadmin. I'll, I'll say sysadmin on the cloud side. I've never really been sysadmin on the physical infrastructure side. So I got a lot of experience. I learned what not to do a lot. And uh, here I am. All right. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I've, I've understood you were one of the pioneers in the beginning of the cloud industry. You know, how, how did you end up in this industry? What made you go there? Yeah, so I was working at this company that was kind of, uh, they worked with a lot of retailers. They weren't the retailer, but they had a loyalty marketing program at the retailer and they delivered coupons at the point of sale. So they would, you know, they had little printers and they would print targeted um, paper coupons at the point of sale. And you know, I was chief architect there towards the end of my career there. And every year, you know, so this is in the early 2000s, right? Every year they would, you know, we used to do dial up to, you know, 30,000 stores. And they'd say, well, every year they say, do some research, tell me how we can get to real time instead of, you know, sending updates every day. We do all this research and it was always way more than our entire IT budget. And then around 2007, you know, the, you know, Amazon came out in 2006. I said, well, there's a way to do it now. You know, this is cloud thing, you know, and instead of, you know, sending everything down there, we can have the point of sale go up to the cloud, right? And then, like, yeah, cloud, whatever. That didn't go anywhere. And about the same time, somebody called me, an old friend of mine, and says, I got a guy here who's doing a startup, and they want to do digital coupons. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to take my recommendation there and I'm going to leave and I'm going to join the startup and we're going to do that. And that's exactly what we did. So the old way was that, like I said, you would send updates down once a day. You would have you know hundreds of people in your company that drove around the stores and touched physical servers. Back then it were OS2 boxes, right? And, <laughs> and have to touch boxes. It was very expensive to operate. And we kind of flipped the model and we integrated with the point of sale vendors and we said hey put this little piece of code in the point of sale system and every time the cashier is total send us information we'll do all the work there and we'll send you the answer and then you you know generate the coupon and that's what we did we were using amazon at the time because the others didn't exist yet there was no gcp there was no azure um the ones that were there aren't in existence anymore so luckily we picked the right one and we kind of flipped the model on its head. We no longer needed 200 people touching stores. It no longer took 
six months to a year to roll out new stores, I could do it in 15 minutes, you know, remotely from the cloud. And that's how I, I got to the cloud. It's, it's kind of a long story, but, um, you know, we started, we had no clue what we were doing. We just, <laughs> you know, just four or five guys, and we were just figuring out on the fly. And then, uh, like I always say, I, everything I learned was from doing it wrong the first time. So we learned a lot the hard way and uh, kind of took off from there. Oh, that's really cool. That's a, that's a cool story, really. Um, thinking about, you know, 2007 and these times and comparing to today, you do, do you feel the cloud has come a long way or are we still sort of searching for what it is? It's come uh, light years long ways. Uh, unfortunately, some people still think of the cloud the way I had to back then. So back then it was pure IIS, right? There was, you know, network compute storage, queuing, and that was about it, right? So we did it was a data center, truly a data center in a cloud for us back then. And that was great because we didn't have a data. We didn't have anything. But today, you know, it's got, you know, now there's all kinds of services. You know, you have managed database services. You have managed IoT services. And now the cloud vendors are even doing you know, business services, you know, full functions in healthcare and manufacturing and stuff. It's come such a long way. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of companies still just use it for compute, network, and storage, and uh, you know don't take advantage of that. But man, it's it's changed so much; it's not, it's ridiculous. All right. Uh, just thinking about the, a lot of our listeners are probably thinking about. I think many of them are are in the cloud today, but some of them are probably thinking about starting to use things in the cloud. Uh, if if you would tell someone what's your best advice, you know where to start. How should a company go about starting to join the cloud? Well, the cloud is a is a journey that never ends, right? So I would say start with the business problem you need to solve and focus on solving that business problem. So instead of starting with, I have 10,000 apps, I'm going to move them all to the cloud. But you start with, here's this business problem and focus on that app or apps and and get really good at the cloud, right? Start with one cloud, with a couple apps and make a difference uh, and then, you know, go from there. I think too often, you know, they try to, they think about it for a year and create a lot of nice PowerPoint decks on strategy. You know, meanwhile, the cloud's innovating at a pace that we've never seen before. And then they just say, okay, I got 10,000 apps, let's just start moving them. And there's not a lot of value in that unless you're trying to close data center. So, you know, focus on value, focus on a business problem and, and, and attack it that way. The, the other thing I would say was there, there's also an opportunity to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, everything new, we're going to, we're going to build cloud native, we're going to build a cloud way, you know? So some, that's another strategy is, you know, leave the old, but if we're going to write something new, let's, let's do it the cloud way. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you think there's still stuff that people should keep in their basement, in their servers, or should absolutely everything move into the cloud? What's your view on that? Yeah, uh, they're always, you're never getting rid of all that mainframe, right? That stuff just lives forever. But um, yeah, there's there's use cases where it doesn't make sense. Sometimes, um, you know, you're, you're disconnected, right? So um, that's where you start talking about, you know, maybe edge solutions or, or just flat on-prem solutions, but, you know, there's, there's some use cases where there is no connectivity, so you can't ride the internet. There are use cases where systems are running fine. It's not an elastic problem, right? It's not something that scales up and down. So, you know, just, just leave it there. You know, there's what's happened in mainframe applications a lot is the, you know, the system of records stays and, and what you, what goes to the cloud is all the front end 
digital experience type stuff. So you kind of build a bridge between the system of record and, and the cloud. So you, very few companies will get 100% cloud. Obviously, one starting cloud native will, but there's there's always use cases to leave things where they are. Yeah. I guess one other thing that companies think about when they start to join this is kind of the skill of their own staff. How, how yeah. worried should company bees about be about that, you know? Very, very much so, because it's not just the skills, it's the mindset too, right? So I, every day I see a company think cloud's another data center, and they'll just basically do the same thinking that they did in the data center they did in the cloud. For example, you know, let's say they have this DR strategy on-premise where they have three data centers. So they go to the cloud and they implement the same exact solution in, in three zones or regions and they're copying the same data to three places and they're doing all this synchronization. Where in the cloud, I could move data to storage and it can automatically replicate, you know, to these things. So it's a totally different mindset. But yeah, there's a skill shortage on it. Um, you know, it's one thing to get certified. It's another thing to actually have hands-on experience and like I said, you know, I learned from screwing it up and, and fixing it. There, you can't replace that type of hands-on learning. You got to get in there and mess with it. And, you know, just going and doing a training program, which is important, isn't enough. You have to get that experience. So um, the other part is once people do get skilled, you have a hard time keeping them, right? Because yeah. everyone's looking for them. And, and yeah. if you look right now, the cloud vendors themselves are hiring, you know, thousands and thousands to Large consulting companies like I work for are hiring thousands. Capital One, one of the big banks, is hiring thousands. You know, a lot of the big companies are looking for thousands. So, you know, there's huge competition for resources. So, you know, first, how do you how do you train them up, and then how do you keep them? Those are you know real problems. Yeah, no, I can really understand that, and I, I yeah, it's a hot market. Uh, what what would be your advice to a company like that? Should they sort of try to go out and hire some people or should they retrain their own staff to do this or, or a combination of both or how should they go about this? Yeah, both. And and some of my clients have been most successful, uh, one in particular in finance services. They went out and hired like three or four experienced architects, but everyone else was trained in-house. They built like their own university inside, which leveraged some homegrown um, training, but also leveraged a lot of the you know, SaaS-based solutions that are out there. And uh, that worked pretty well for them. And, you know, they're, gosh, they got to be about 10 years into the journey now. And they're they're a cloud-native company now. I mean, they, and the, the irony is they only 10% of their stuff's in the cloud, but it's all the high-value stuff. You know, really, they put a lot of value in the cloud, right? A lot of new uh, digital experiences and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a combination of both. But, you know, you're going to have to train a lot, a lot of, people but inject a few experts in the middle of it yeah oh that's really good um i guess you've seen a lot of companies move into the cloud uh, i guess then you have seen a lot of mistakes done by the people moving into the cloud what are the major mistakes company do in your mind you know what do you see most yeah there's a there's a couple i'll highlight one one is you know the mindset of cloud is just another data center and uh I think I have a pinned tweet in my profile that says something along the lines that, uh, you know, cloud, if the mindset's cloud, um, I don't remember exactly. It's basically saying it's foreshadowing, right? I mean, it's, if you think it's another data center in the sky, you're going to make another data center in the sky. And uh, if you treat cloud as nothing but pure infrastructure, 
um, you're going to get an expensive cloud, right? You, you know, I, I'll give you an example. I have a client that has this very complex Kafka implementations. I mean, it's on multiple services, really, really complex. And it's legacy, so it's grown into this monster. They're just going to move that to the cloud instead of just using cloud-native solutions. They have the opportunity to totally simplify that and remove the complexity. But they're just going to take what they have and move it into the data center, do the all the same work they do in a data center minus the procurement part and they're going to have a worse experience because they don't have the same skill set as they had when you know they knew this stuff soup to nuts when they're on-prem now it's in the cloud it's a new skill set they're going to have a worse experience in the cloud and it's probably going to be more expensive because of the approach they took so don't think of cloud as a data center you know the only time you should do that is when you're trying to do a lift and shift to you know, avoid um, a refresh, hardware refresh, or consolidate, you know, servers and you have like 18 months to do it. Beyond that, you should look at taking advantage of the cloud and look at opportunities to either build new or, you know, make make changes so that you can take advantage of cloud. That's, that's one. Um, lost track on the second one. So I'll, I'll stick with that one for now. Um, but that's a big one. I, you know, cloud is not a data center. Cloud is a platform for innovation it has high level services it takes a lot of the grunt work out of the picture right take advantage of that when when you when you meet these companies do you know um do you feel that they they're a bit afraid of of leaving their data to someone else Do, do do you experience that they have these security scares about you know oh there might be so many other people reading my data now or or is that just a myth that people believe this happening uh, there's there's truth to that. Um, a lot less than five years ago. I mean, when I, you know, like I, I was building in the cloud, but I've probably been consulting in the cloud. I want to say about ten years from now. So ten years ago, I mean, that that was everyone's feeling. You know, I can't put cloud in there. It's you know, it's dangerous and it's not safe. Uh, there's less of that now, mm-hmm. but it still exists heavily in the pockets of audit compliance and security. But but um, the, you know that. That fear is real. It's, in my opinion, unfounded, but it's definitely real, but way less than it was five to ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, I guess sort of another thing that comes with that is the the whole purpose of the cloud is that you're not really supposed to know where your data is. It's just supposed to be in the cloud, in some data center somewhere. Do you feel that has changed as well in the last couple of years and people are more interested in finding out what exact data center their data is in or could they care less and, and just believe it's in some data center that they don't need to know where it is? Well, there's there's always going to be people in companies that have that fear. I, I just think there's less and less. Um, so I, I see, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about COVID in a little bit. Uh, I think I think that changed a lot because because of COVID, a lot of people were forced to to move to accelerate cloud, and I, I think. The realization once they got there is, you know, wow, I shouldn't shouldn't really be that afraid of it. But but there are also issues like um, locale, right? Some countries have rules that yeah. make it hard to do or even impossible to do. So there's still those issues. But I think the personal fears, uh, they're still there, but not in the mass amounts of people that it used to be in. The, the fear of having your data in another country, which is more on our side of the water in Europe than you, you in the U.S., yeah. do you feel that fear is growing or is it disappearing? Uh, how, I, do you, how do you view that? 
Yeah, I think it's the same. It's just there's laws that kind of <laughs> say this is what it is. So yeah. what do you you know what regardless of what people's opinions are, there's laws. So that's not changing. So what the result of that becomes some really complex you know hybrid cloud solutions. You know you use the public cloud in areas where you can, but you have to maintain certain certain data points on-prem. So you see a lot more hybrid in in areas where there's a lot more regulation on where data can and can't be. Yeah. All right. Uh, if we think about the, the way companies connect to the cloud, uh, when you work with companies moving data to the cloud, do you feel that they care about how they transport the data between their headquarters and the cloud or whatever they are in the cloud? Or, or do they just take that for granted and focus everything on storage and compute and applications performance and that stuff? You know, do you think the connectivity to the cloud is important for companies? It's it's very important because you know that has to be you know has to have a level of quality it has to be a service level of quality, right? So you can have the best software in the world, but if, you know you're not getting the quality ba- uh, back and forth from your data center to cloud, you're going to be in trouble, right? Data is the key to everything. But I would say that. Only the pockets of people who work on networking and data centers and that type of stuff care. And the people building stuff just take it for granted. You know, they're just building the cloud and that's kind of abstracted from them. So I'd say there there are people with a certain skill set and certain responsibilities that care a lot, but mostly from development and you know, that side of the world. They're just you know, they're just that's all hidden from them. They don't care as much. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, that's kind of what we see as well in some way. Uh, I know that some of the major cloud providers have started to touch the connectivity space. You know, I I, I believe Amazon launched something before Christmas where they think about, you know, helping customers connect to their cloud. Do you think that trend is here to stay or, or will they, you know, refrain from that and let sort of network operators handle that stuff? Or do you think there is a trend among cloud operators to go into the connectivity space as well? I think I think that trend will continue, but I think it's one of many options, right? Because they're the cloud providers understand that not all companies are going all in on a single cloud, so you know that solution doesn't work for everyone. But um, a lot of them are partnering with telecom companies, offering solutions um, with them. So you know, if I just think about Amazon, um, they have a they're they're trying to provide everything end to end, right? So they're going to keep investing in that. But that, like I said, that's an option they're going to provide you. They're also going to partner with the telecoms and provide services, you know, between them, especially for the edge type um, solutions. So, yeah, I think it'll continue. Yeah. Uh, I know in our space, in the telecom space, sometimes we fear that we're kind of locked into one supplier. We, we only use this supplier for routers, for instance, or the optical network and so on. Do you think that's come to the cloud space as well, that some companies are afraid that they're going to be locked into one cloud provider and has... Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. So, you know, if you look at the trends, you know, multi-cloud is a humongous trend right now. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, are trying to make sure that, you know, they have the ability to, you know, move or, or produce workloads on multiple cloud providers and not wanting to get locked in. Um I kind of raise a danger red flag there. Um, there are, again, just like uh, I was saying before, there are use cases for that. But if if you don't have that use case, you know the the more the higher up the stack you go in uh, for a single cloud provider, meaning you go up 
from IAS to pass to these business processes as a service I was talking about earlier, the more value you get out of the cloud, right? The faster you can deliver, the more time you spend on your requirements and the less time you spend on the you know, data center, middleware requirements, those types of things. So there's a lot of value there. Um, so when we talk about multi-cloud, I'm kind of changing gears a little here. Um, I have a big soapbox on multi-cloud is I think multi-cloud makes sense when it's choose the right cloud for the right workload. I think multi-cloud rarely makes sense. There are use cases for everything where uh, I need to write a piece of software that runs on every single cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are use cases for that. And, and when, once you do that, now you're talking about cloud agnostic and now you're talking about you know containers as a service and now you're, you're getting a lot of complexity you know, it's, it's, you know, before you sign up for that, make sure there's real reasons to do that. And I'll give you an example of a real reason to do that is, is some SaaS providers, um, you know, their customers, like if I have a retail customer, they may say, I'm not using you, you're putting my data on Amazon, they're a retailer, right? Or So, you know, as an example, or, you know, I'm in China and I can only use, Ali, you know, if you're not on Alibaba, I'm not using you. So there are use cases where, you know, it makes sense to do that. But if you don't have that use case, the value of the cloud is so much higher when you can go way up the stack of a single provider. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a good advice. Thanks everyone for listening. In the next episode, we will continue to talk to Mike. So stay tuned until next time. Please also remember the Twitter handle ConnectivityPod for updates.